All right. Well, tonight we get to study Deuteronomy 27. And so if you have a Bible, let's go ahead and open up there. Deuteronomy 27. As we continue our journey through the Old Testament, tonight we read uh, a time in which Moses uh, encourages the people to live a life of obedience and he basically does everything he can, you know, so that they would uh, live for the Lord and that the future generations would live for the Lord. Um, we know that they didn't, huh? Uh, we know that you can kind of lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, you know. We can do, man, our part, but obviously it's an individual choice that every single person has to make. You know, I don't know how you're doing in your life. I don't know how your devotional life is. I don't know how uh, your time is uh, with your family. I pray that you husbands are leading your families spiritually, that you understand and assume the responsibility that you have as a husband to pray with your family, to read the Bible with your family, to teach them, not only by word but also by example. But don't forget, you got to teach them too and love them and and don't make excuses. You know, for all of us here, you guys, we really got to take this thing seriously. Whatever role you have, whatever responsibility you have, you know, don't take it lightly. Don't be passive. You know, you're aggressive in other things. Why not be aggressive in your home, in your leadership of your family? There's so many things that we have to do to live a life of obedience. And, you know, Moses, man, he did everything he could. That's why he was such a great leader. Of course, they had to make their own decision, but his hands were clean. And we're going to see in this chapter right here that he even commanded them to make some billboards. Did you guys know they had billboards in the Old Testament? <laughs> That's pretty much what he said. He said, man, when you guys go into the land, in the promised land, uh, when you get by these two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, they were kind of in the middle of the land. Uh, right be between them, there was a town called Shechem. When you get there, I want you to make these stones, huge stones, and I want you to write the whole Bible on it. And what I want you guys to do is to enter into a renewed covenant with the Lord. He, he basically did everything he could so that they would obey the Lord. The reason being, he knew this, that when you obey the Lord, that you will receive his blessings. And that's just the bottom line. And it's not that God just you know, says, hey, it's because I like you more. It's just that's the way life is. That's the laws of the land that we live in, that when you walk in obedience to God, that he will bless you. But if you don't, if you live a life of disobedience, then you will experience the calamities and the curses that were never really intended for you, but you will experience them because you chose to live a life of disobedience, a life of neglecting your walk neglecting your prayer time, neglecting your time in the Word, neglecting your family, and on and on and on. And that's the reality, you guys. That's the bottom line. We've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us to help us to live a life of complete obedience, not just partial obedience. Because I think a lot of times we think, well, I'm doing pretty good. And yes, there are areas of our life that we're doing pretty good. But the bottom line is, that's not enough. God is calling for a complete surrender. That's what he's asking, a complete surrender of our life. And that means everything. And not just me, you know, being, okay, I'll be a pastor. No, what kind of pastor are you going to be? 
No, I'm just, you know, just going to be a mom. I'll have kids. No, what kind of mom are you going to be? And on and on, everything. And so we'll see that today, you guys. And, you know, it's tough sometimes going through studies like this, but it's so um, good for us if, if we listen. Because look, we read here in verse 1. It says, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. If you read the Bible, we see the message of Moses contained a lot of information as well as a lot of motivation. He relayed the message from God as far as what to do, and he did that well, but he would repeat over and over again not only what to do, but make sure you do. Because it's not just enough to go to the study or to know what to do. You've got to do it. And so Moses, over and over again, it was not just information. It was motivation. Please, here's what you're supposed to do, and please go and do it. He says there in verse 1 with the elders, it was not just him. They commanded the people, saying, keep some of the commandments which I command you today. No, he didn't say some. He said all, huh? And it's not suggestions. Their commandments from God. The reason being, he knew the key to life. He knew the core that the beauties and blessings of God would come to the people who obey his commands. You know, for them, the Israelites, it consisted of the ceremonial law, the civil law, the moral law. For us, it consists primarily of the things that are spelled out in the New Testament from the lips of Jesus Christ and his apostles. You know, we do live under the new covenant now, and I thank God that, you know, we can have things like garnitas and stuff like that, you know, because we're in the New Testament. But, you know, we need to remember that even though the specific commandments have changed, the overarching principles of obedience have not. God still commands us to obey all his commands. Why? It's because he wants to protect you. That's why. You know, in my backyard, and I think I've shared with you guys before, we have a dog run. It's a cage. And every once in a while, we lock our dog up in that, you know. We take him to the backyard, and when we really can't keep a close eye on him, we put him in there. Now, some of them might look at that and say, man, I can't believe you do that to your dog, Chip. He's so cute, and you put him in that cage, you know. And people might criticize us and stuff. But, but you guys know, what's the reason he's in the cage? Why is he in the cage? It's not because we're trying to limit him or hurt him. We are trying to protect him because there are coyotes that live next door. Right? And that's the way it is with the commandments of God. Some of are saying, well, I want to do this, or why can't God let me do that? Well, the reason is he's trying to protect you, not harm you, not limit you. And that's what the commandments are all about. You know, 1 John 5, 3, it says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. You know, and we go back to what? We go back to a life of obedience. And I'm talking about complete obedience, you guys. We've got to stop, you know, playing half a game or three quarters of the game. I mean, you guys know how it is. A lot of you guys, you're watching basketball. What happens if you only play for three quarters? You lose. What happens if you only wrestle for four minutes? You lose. And that's the way it is. When God commands us to do things, he wants complete obedience. This is a love of God that we obey his commandments. And then it goes on to say, and his commandments are not burdensome. 
They're not. You see, we see that Moses here with the elders wanted the people to be blessed. He wanted them to enjoy the land. And, you know, he even looked ahead, we're going to see here, to make sure that there would always be reminders, not only for them then, but also for the future generations. Because look what you read here in verse 2. It says, And it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God has given you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. You know, Moses really wanted them to be blessed, just like, you know, we want you to be blessed. And so he says, this is what I want you to do. When you go into the land, and eventually they would make it to the middle. It's over in Genesis, Joshua chapter 8. Um, this is what I want you to do. I want you to set up these stones. And what I want you to do is I want you to write on them right there in verse 3, all the words of this law. He didn't want them to forget. You know, and, and teachers and scholars are divided as far as whether Moses wanted them to write everything. Some of the guys say that he just wanted them to write the Ten Commandments. But you know what? When I read this right here, I don't think it's just the Ten Commandments. huh? Look again at verse 3. You shall write on them all the words of this law. He wanted them to write all the ceremonial, civil, and moral laws. Where? On these whitewashed stones. He wanted them to etch them, man, in the rock. Talk about preserving the word. I don't want, you know this book to burn. I don't want these pages to fly away. I want you to get big stones, rocks, and I want you to write God's word in these rocks. And he wanted them to preserve the word so that the generations ahead could observe the word. And it's so important to have that in our heart. You know, he says right there, it's all the words of the law, all the ceremonial, civil, and moral laws written on rock. And, you know, for us today, you know, thank God we have the Bible, huh? Thank God we have the Old and New Testament, man. We have so many copies, and they're accurate, you know, and it's a blessing how God has preserved his word, you know. But we got to make sure that we observe the whole thing. It's kind of interesting. Not only do we observe all the commandments, do you guys remember what we read last week? Out of curiosity, does anybody remember? Nobody remembers? Huh? Look back at chapter 26. Look at verse 16. Not only do we do all the commandments, but look what it says in verse 16 of chapter 26. This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. I mean, not only are you to be a Jesus freak, man, totally in love with the Lord. Just, man, if he says it, that settles it. All his commands, every area of your life, every day of your life, every thought, every word, everything, surrender to him. But you're to do it with passion. You do it with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, and that's the calling, you guys, for us as Christians. Man, all the law, man, everything. I encourage you, 
to read your Bibles over and over and over again, to saturate yourself in the Scriptures. You know, how long will that, how strong will that cup of tea be? Well, it depends on how long it soaks in the water. A lot of times that's the way it is with us. Man, we've got the Word of God here, but what are we doing? We're doing all these other things. You know, we're playing games. We're watching television. You know, we're washing the cat. I mean, you name it. There's so many different things that we're doing in life, trivial things. We're online, and a lot of times we're online, we're doing good things, but a lot of times we're just wasting time. And there's your Bible, and it's just sitting there. And God's just saying, man, pick it up and read it. Read your Bibles. Some people, they only read it when they come to church service. You're not going to grow. You're not going to be strong. And not only that, you know, he wrote them on rocks. Where do we write the word? On our heart. You tattoo it on your heart. You carve it on your heart. Right? I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You see, when you look at this right here, it's just so beautiful. The whole Bible, all of them. And, you know, when I think of that, I just think of these big rocks. And there it is as testimonies. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That's the whole Bible. That's why Paul said in Acts 20.26, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And so he says, this is what I want you to do. When I want you to be obedient people. I want you to obey the commands of God that I'm giving to you today. And so when you go into the promised land, I want you to set up these large stones and you, know, you whitewash them. You pretty much paint them white. And then what you do is you write on them the whole Bible so that when you go in, you can live it out. And so he says, look what he says next in verse 4. Therefore it shall be... When you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones, that the altar of the Lord your God, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings. And you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. Moses is setting them up for, for kind of a special day. Um, this right here was a special day in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Um, it would be another special day in Joshua chapter 8 um, after they had defeated Ai. Um, and they were going to kind of renew their commitment. They were going to renew their covenant. And so he says, you, you, I want you guys to, to write the word. And when you're there on that day, um, you, I want you to build an altar. I want you to use stones that aren't cut with uh, a man's tool. And the reason being, and God is saying, and basically this is a tough thing to do, but God is saying, I do not want man to receive any glory in this whatsoever. I don't want anybody to go up to the altar and say, wow, look how nice they cut these stones. No, when God does a work, who gets the glory? Only God. You know, and unfortunately, we jack up with that. We mess up with that. Sometimes we look at it and we, you know, none of the stones are, are, are you know, they're cut or anything. But still, we look at it and we think, wow, they did those stones nice. And see, they're missing the whole point, man. 
the whole point was supposed to be that it wasn't the work of man's hands. It's the work of God. And you guys, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, you know, a social club. We're not talking about someone's skill or someone smart enough to change a heart or to save a life. We're talking about what only God can do. You know, one thing I've learned in life is definitely that, is that that's what I want. Don't you? Are you hungry for that? Are you passionate for that? What's going on in your life? Is the Lord moving in your heart? Are you sitting there in your situation complaining? You've got to get your eyes on the Lord, man. You've got to reignite a fire for God. It's got to be all about Him, not just a half heart, but a whole heart. Because you are God's workmanship. You're not my workmanship. You're not that person's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. He's working on you. And there's no human hands involved. And that is the Lord. And we got to know that. He says right here, when you go, I want you to build an altar of stones. And make sure you don't put man's hands on it. And when you bake that altar, I want you to offer peace offerings there. Also known in the Bible as fellowship offerings. You know, just enjoying fellowship with God. Just enjoying that right and real relationship with God. In this case, it would be based on obedience to his law by faith. You know, some people complain. Some people, man, they like, I don't know about that church. I tried that Christianity stuff, and, you know, it just kind of got boring or whatever. And you know what? When you're living for the Lord, man, it's not boring. Never. It's exciting. It's on the cutting edge. It's a great adventure. Right? When you're living for the Lord, when you have a right and real relationship with God. I remember one time I talked to a guy and he told me, you know what, I tried Christianity and it didn't work. And so I just asked him a simple question. I said, okay, did you ever experience God? And it was kind of a trap question for him because if he said yes, then that acknowledges there is a God. If he said no, then you never really tried it because there is a living God. I know him. I have a relationship with him. He changed my life. He's changed so many of our lives here. And this whole thing about this peace offering, this fellowship offering, is about you having that relationship with him and you fellowshipping with God. Remember in the Old Testament when the priest was anointed, um, they would anoint his ear and his hand and his feet. Do you guys remember that? They anointed his ear uh, in order to hear the word of God. They anointed his hands, his thumb, actually, in order to do the work of God. And they anointed his feet. Do you guys remember why? To walk with God. You ever go on walks with anybody? Do any of you guys ever do that? You go on walks? And you're like, no, I jog, you know. That's cool. I mean, I'm getting older now. <laughs> I would have never thought that I'd do walks, but now I do walks. And But I love walking um, with my family. Isn't it cool walking with people and you're you know, you're just talking. You're not distracted by the million things sometimes even in your own home. And you walk with them. There's just something about walking with people like that and it's awesome and, and that's the way it is for us as Christians. We walk with God. It's a fellowship with him, you guys. And he says, you know what, as you're entering into the promised land, as you're entering into a new commitment with him, and some of you here tonight, you need to make a new commitment to God. 
Your heart is not fully given to him. You need to make a commitment to God today. That as you're entering into that and as you're embarking on that, he says, I want you to know what it's all about, man. It's about you and me having a relationship. This is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. It's fellowship with God. You know, and it's awesome. Look what he says there in verse 7. You shall offer peace offerings and shall eat there. I just love that you can eat with God too. You know, that meant something. And rejoice before the Lord your God. You know, and I know life gets hard, you guys, but man, I wish I saw more smiles. <laughs> I wish I just saw the, the joy of the Lord in some of you that sometimes I don't. We need to rejoice for so many reasons. God's still on in your life. God's still working. You know, it's interesting, Luke chapter 10, verse 20, when the apostles were so excited that, you know, they had power over demons, man. Um, it says there, Jesus told them, don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. How many of you here know that your names are written in heaven? Just out of curiosity. Your names are written in heaven because... You know, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. When you die, that's your home. And that right there is reason enough to rejoice. You see, a large part of this relationship that we have with God, this right relationship, this real relationship is what? Obedience to God's word. And that's why we read this in verse 8. Look again, it says in verse 8, And you shall write very plainly on the stones... All the words of this law. God said, man, I don't want there to be any confusion. I want you to know what your responsibilities are as Christians, as God followers, as husbands, as wives, as parents, as children, as workers, as witnesses. I want it to be very clear. And it is clear. When you just read the Bible, huh? But when you start putting your own thoughts into it and your own twists into it, when you start finding your own loopholes and making your excuses, that's when it's not plain. But it's plain. It's clear. You know, one of the things that we see a lot of times, and I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, I learned this the hard way because for a while I used to uh, serve at another church and I would make flyers and stuff. And sometimes when you're making flyers, you know, you want it to look nice and and fancy and you know you use different graphics and stuff like that and i learned the hard way man you know because uh the main thing is to to get the the message clear like where is it going to be at you know and what time is it and you know what date is it and stuff like that but sometimes you make it all fancy and frilly and things like that you're all interested in the design that what's supposed to come out which is the information it doesn't come out and i've learned that you know the the main thing is what is that it's got to be plain and that's the way it was for them. God says, when you, I want this to be clear. And also for teachers and preachers. You know, sometimes we like to make it fancy. And God says, listen, I don't want that. I just want it to be clear. This is what God's calling us to do as a congregation. A life of obedience. And not just hearing the study, but going out the doors and being the man you're supposed to be. And being the woman you're supposed to be, it doesn't save you. You're saved by the blood.
But that's what God's calling us to do. And so he says, this is what I'm asking of you, man. Write it plainly. All this was done. And when they eventually went into the promised land, you can read about it in Joshua chapter 8. And again, we read here in verse 9, as Moses carries on here, it says, Moses and the priests and the Levites, they spoke to all Israel saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. You see, when you signed up for being a Christian, um, you know, you didn't just sign up for potlucks, you know. Um, You didn't just sign up so now you have a social network. You didn't just sign up for, you know, now I can do something on Sundays and Thursdays. No, when you gave your life to Christ, you, you, you signed up to obey him, to make him your Savior and your Lord, to follow him. And that's got to permeate into every area of our life, everything. And that's why Moses, he just keeps reiterating this, man. Now you're the people of God. You're the people of God. And so you've got to live life appropriately. You know, it's not just Moses. We read here the priests and the Levites. They spoke to Israel, and they told them, the starting point is not what you've got to do, but what you've got to be. Again, there in verse 9, this day you have become what? The people of the Lord your God. You know, it's so important that we know, first of all, who we are. The heart and soul of who we are is not in what we do. It's not even who we are. It's in whose we are, really. I mean, question for you guys today. Who do you really belong to? Do you really belong to God? Has that been settled in your heart? That's what he says right here. Today you've become the people of the Lord your God. You know, of course, that's the big question. And we need to establish that first, you know, to really give our life to Christ. I love that verse over in the Proverbs 23, 26. It says, my son, give me your heart. You know, my son, think about that. My son, give me your heart. You know, when you give God your heart, I mean, you you belong to him. He has you now, right? Not simply your hands or your head. You're here, I work for God. You know, I think for God. No, that's not all that God wants. Not just your eyes and your ears or your lips and your legs. No, give God full ownership. Give him your heart. You know, don't just give him the keys to your car. Give him the pink slip. Give him everything. It must be surrendered to him. Really become the people of the Lord your God. And so he says in verse 10, Therefore, the natural application is then, you know, you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Again, Proverbs twenty-three twenty-six says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. And we come back to what, you guys? We come back to a life of obedience. As we read earlier, keeping all the commandments. Okay, I'll be a dad. Okay, I'll be a deacon. Okay, I'll be a mom. Okay, I'll be a missionary. Okay, I'll serve in the children's ministry or the website ministry. Okay, I'll be involved. But it's not just that. It's how will you be involved? Now that you're involved, how will you live? 
See, God doesn't simply bless steps of obedience. He blesses lives of obedience. Now, occasionally it's the big things, yeah, but usually it's the small things in life. We consider them small, but really they're not. All this, you guys, that I'm sharing with you tonight is by no means trivial. We all have to search our hearts and ask God, is there any area of my life that I have not surrendered to you? And am I just kicking back, not really worrying about it? You know, when the fire gets turned up in your life, you guys have heard this before, right? Your life is like this gold, man. It's like this gold. And the fire gets turned up in your life, and the dross, it rises to the surface, right? So all the ugliness of who we are, and God's always dealing with us, and until we deal with what he's dealing with, we're not going to go anywhere else. We've got to deal with what God's dealing with. We've got to kind of enter into this you know, whole thing with him. I call it aggressive cooperation. When that dross rises to the surface, and there it is, all the ugliness, right? We, we got to repent, right? But what do we do? We're supposed to skim it off, right? That's what we're supposed to do. But some people don't skim. Some people swim. They swim in it. They're just like, oh, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. And they just kind of beat themselves up with condemnation. That's not what God wants. You may think that's noble, but it's not. It doesn't honor God. So you don't, you know, swim in it. Neither do you, you know, diminish it or, or dim it in any way. Don't think lightly of it. Don't think it's no big deal. It's huge. It's, you know stopping you from going forward in your life as a Christian. So don't dim it. Don't swim it. You skim it, right? You skim it off. And as we, man, we catch the vision of what God's doing in our life, I'm telling you, man, God will raise up men like David, men after God's own heart, mighty men of valor, heroic courage, who changed the world. And I know that if I talk to you guys, I know that that's what you would want. But we really have to take these things ever so seriously. You know, Moses goes on to make sure that people know, again, to the best of his ability, man, this is all I can do. This is the best that I can do. I want you to know that obedience leads to blessings. and Disobedience leads to cursings. You read right here in verse 11, Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. Here we see... Uh, something interesting. I know it sounds kind of weird. You're like, man, they're over here to bless, and I could, I could dig that. That's cool. But Lord, why are you bringing people over here to curse? To curse a life? And what it is, is this uh, a revelation of what happens when we don't live our life for Jesus Christ. You know, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal are close together, approximately in the center of the land of Canaan, with the city of Shechem in the valley between them. On the mountain of blessings were the tribes of the sons, primarily of the free women. 
on the Mount of Cursings, it was the sons of those, all those, of the bondwoman. And what that does is it speaks a message to us that a life of obedience is not only possible, is only possible when we allow the Lord Jesus Christ to completely, wholeheartedly, unreservedly set us free. We read that in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. Man, how are you going to be free? Jesus Christ will set you free. You see, the ones on the, on the, that were bringing the blessings, they were primarily the ones of the free woman. The ones that were bringing the curses were the ones that came from the bond woman. And what we see in looking at that primarily is that, man, when you see what God does and how he's the one who breaks the chains, then God is then kind of, you know, free to bless our life. You see, a life of disobedience is simply a revelation that such a person is in bondage, unable to obey. They're slaves of sin, and therefore they will be recipients of the curse. I remember before I was a Christian, I couldn't stop sinning. I couldn't stop doing all those things that I was doing. I couldn't. I didn't have the power. But the day that I gave my life to Christ, God gave me strength, see? And he set me free. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that to whom... You present yourself slaves to obey. You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or disobedience leading to righteousness. Another interesting fact about this is that according to history, the two mountains were excellent illustrations of the difference between blessing and cursing. The mountains themselves, if you were to look at this mountain and that mountain, uh, were pictures of that. Um, from what I understand, uh, according to Adam Clark, on all hands it is allowed that Gerizim abounds with springs and gardens and orchards. It's covered with beautiful verdure, while Ebal is as naked and barren as a rock. And when you see those who live that life of obedience, man, you see the gardens, the beautiful, you know, pastures, and then those that don't, man, it's it's naked. See, and that's the picture that we have. I think of Psalm 1. You guys remember that psalm? That the one who uh, walks in obedience, blessed is the man, you know, who delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and just goes on to say how this guy will be so blessed, but the wicked are not so, not so. That's all he's saying right here. We see that in these mountains. Moses wanted the people to be blessed, not cursed. And so he commands the people to literally, verbally, publicly participate. And what he does, you guys, is he hopes to pound in an understanding of the cursing and blessings that follow the things that we do. He gets the Levites who are loud involved. It's kind of like this, and I've told you guys this before. Everything you do in life, you're like planting seeds. Okay, you'd mess up. You just planted a bad seed. You do good, you planted a good seed. Now, I know it takes time, but eventually those things, they rear their heads. And you keep messing up, and you keep yelling at your wife, or you keep neglecting your family, or whatever it is, you, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Right? That's the way it is. We're always planting seeds. Is it a good seed? Or is it a bad seed? See, and what we want to do is we want to understand that God blesses obedience. Eventually, I know it takes time, but God will honor that. And so he wants to pound that into them. And so what he does is says, okay, you guys, we're going to have this big thing right here. 
And you guys, I want you over there on that mountain. I want you over here. I want everybody to participate. And look what he says in verse 14. And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image and an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Now, what I was thinking, you guys, because I'm going to finish right now. Don't worry. We're going to go through this real quick. Okay, what I want to do is I want to go through this, and I want you guys to do the amen part. Okay? So I'm going to read it, and you guys say amen. Okay? Amen? All right. Okay. I'll start over. Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret, and all the people shall answer and say Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. With passion. Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. We receive the series of 12 amens answered by the people in response to the warning and the curses clearly indicate their acceptance of the criteria pronounced. Amen simply means so be it. And except for its use in Numbers chapter 5, this constitutes the first uses of amens in the Bible. And in looking at this, we see that Moses deals with various areas of disobedience. Idolatry, honoring one's parents, theft of property, cruelty, injustice, sexual sins, Violence, bribery, murder. And in verse 26 right here, he covers everything in the law, not only commanding the people not to break the law, but also commanding the people to take the law, to confirm the law, to say, yes, I do believe that this is God's word. And in doing that, what we see is the key to life, you guys. Keep studying the Bible. Keep reading it, keep heeding it, keep learning it, keep living it. God is coming, and we need to get ready. One day we'll be in heaven. We'll have a reunion there. Like I said, Garnesadas, on me, man. But until then, we've got a life to live. We've got families to lead and to love, a church, people, so many things going on, you guys. We've got to step up. Some of you here need to get involved. Our children need helpers. Nobody's stepping up. You know how it is in school. In school, don't you want your kids to have good teachers? 
why is it no one stepping up to get involved with the kids or different ministries? Some of you are already involved. Some of you aren't. Man, it's time. It's time. God says, listen, I want you guys to take steps of faith, to live lives of faith. We really need to have this understanding. There are future generation, you guys. So much is going on. We need to give our heart to the Lord. And then one day we'll go to heaven. So I'll close with this poem that I read today. It's called The Glimpse of Heaven. This is what it says. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. (laughs) Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Bob, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty good there on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. And so I nudged Jesus and I asked, what's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How do all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And Why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, he said. They're all in shock. No one ever thought they'd see you. <laughs> And, you know, I look at you guys, I'm like, man, how are they going to make it, Lord? <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, you know, there's not going to be any liars in heaven or drunks. The Bible says that. They used to be, but not anymore, huh? Because what happened? They gave their life to Jesus Christ, and he came in and he changed their life, right? And one day we get there, man, it's going to be so cool. God will be glorified in these lives that he has saved. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to study your word, Lord. And the calling is very clear, Lord. I know in my eyes it is. It's very clear. You are my God. I am your son. You are my Lord. And I will obey you, Lord. Father, I pray that today, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that today would be the day they commit their life to Jesus Christ. And I pray for the rest of us here as the church and as Christians, Lord, that we would walk worthy of so great a salvation. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Empower us. Give us wisdom, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.